So this morning I begin with a story. There were two prominent shafts. These two shafts share a large kitchen. Each has their own workstation where they can prepare a delicious specialty for the visiting dignitaries who are gathering upstairs. Both chefs need an orange for their recipe. There is one orange left in the kitchen. Tensions increase, as you might imagine, as they realize there is only the one orange. And so they begin to argue over the orange. They both insist they need the orange to finish their dish. After making their individual cases for the importance of the orange in their dish, they decide there is only one thing to do. They will need to compromise. They grab a large kitchen knife and split the orange in half. Each of them returns to their workstation to continue making their dish. One chef squeezes the juice from their half of the orange. She pours it into the special sauce she's making. It isn't quite enough, but it's going to have to do. The other chef grates the peel from their half of the orange. They stir the scrapings into the batter for their famous cake. They don't have as much of the orange peel as they would like, but it's going to have to do. It is the best they each can do given one orange between them. It is the best they can do, they each think to themselves, mildly disappointed. What else is there to do, they think to themselves. The two chefs strike a compromise, but that compromise is not ideal. What else might they have done? Well, of course, it's easy for us to see a better resolution from our vantage point, right? If the two had taken a little time to find out about the other's needs, they would soon have learned that they could have divided up that orange differently. After all, one needed only the peel, the other only the juice. In the end, what the other could have used to bring their dish to perfection remained unused. But they were each so focused on their own needs that they never discovered a better approach to solving their problem. Now, it's possible that in another version of this story, each chef might have needed the whole orange. In that case, for both to succeed, they would have had to get even more creative in their problem solving. They might have even had to rethink what success looks like. But no matter what the scenario, the chefs could have benefited from a bit more creativity. They could have benefited from being more creative together. Now, over the years, studies have offered some interesting and 
conflicting advice and opinions about whether creativity is actually improved by working together. Some people have actually advised collaborating less, while others insist that going it alone is not the answer. There are two notable books on this subject. Some of you, I'm sure, are familiar with one or both. The one is, in, is called uh, Group Genius, and it was written in 2007 by a psychologist, Keith Sawyer. And Sawyer claims that teamwork drives innovation. His experience playing jazz piano and designing Atari video games convinced him that collaboration is a deeply human need. These personal experiences of his led him then to go on to research creativity and to write about the ways that it improves productivity. He also recognized that collaboration is hard work. And collaboration is indeed hard work. Anyone who has been part of a team knows that, right? Especially if you've been on one of those teams that maybe didn't go so well. Anybody, anybody been on one of those? Um, yeah. Well, there's enough ineffective and bad teamwork in the workplace and community organizing and in churches, too, to give people pause at times. And so when this book called Quiet by Susan Cain came along in the year 2012, introverts and some people who had decided that the group focus was not for them breathed a kind of a sigh of relief. Maybe they felt a little vindicated. Cain argues that when people spend time alone, they are more effective, more creative, and more successful. She dubs the new emphasis on teamwork the new group think. Teamwork, in her estimation, quashes individual creativity and creativity in general. So, which is it? Does creativity mean going it alone, or does it mean learning to be creative together? As it turns out, these two seemingly contradictory ideas are not mutually exclusive. Or, at the very least, they're not as divergent as they may first seem. People can do both. And doing both in combination may offer the best path to heightening creativity and problem-solving. The authors of yet another book on creativity, Judah Pollack and Olivia Fox Cabane, encourage combining these two ways of being creative. They actually suggest that alternating time spent in solitude to cultivate one's own creativity and imagination with time spent in groups to exchange ideas. Moving back and forth from individual to collective engagement improves both in terms of creativity. These authors say this. They say that 
The way to maximize creative potential is to flow between being alone and being in a group and back again. When you're alone, you're essentially building a woodpile in your brain. Then, when you join a group, you're igniting a shower of sparks that might light it up. Of course, you sometimes need to go be alone again in order to let the sparks you've started generating get close enough to the wood. Given that a flaming chalice is our primary religious symbol, this idea of building a woodpile in our brains and then igniting a shower of sparks to light it up when we're together is very appealing to me. This idea of our individual spark, if you will, and our collective shower of sparks. I believe that as a religious community, what we strive to do and practice is this flow. As a religious community, this appreciation for both individual creativity and collective creativity is deeply embedded in our principles and in our theology. We value the individual and the community. Our first principle affirms the worth and dignity of every person. This principle calls us to recognize the inherent value in each person, the unique gifts, creative potential, and beauty of every person. To live from this ideal is not to insist on our independence, but instead to respect ourselves and each other. Our seventh principle affirms the interconnected web of existence of which we are all a part. This principle affirms the relational web of interaction in which we live. And that has to do with how we create together, what we create together. This religious community works best when we each bring our own individual creativity, ideas, identities, and talents here into community. And here we co-create. We co-create worship, circles of care, justice, love, forgiveness, learning, beliefs, friendships. This morning, we honored our religious education teachers. We honored them for what they bring into this space. Before they even enter the classroom, they spend time preparing for classes. This can involve research, locating books. It can mean developing a game or a craft or deepening a spiritual practice. They do some of this creative work on their own, and they also work with a teaching team. There's also a whole web of collaboration that goes into the process. That web includes the creative vision and input of the whole church. It taps into the creativity of the religious education chairs, the religious education committee, the director of religious education, our Sunday morning 
religious education coordinator, the many helpers, our nursery care attendant, our office administrator, our sexton and our building committee who care for the space, the board who oversees the big picture of church life, and the financial support of all of our members and friends. There is also the larger UU world, including the Unitarian Universalist Association, which provides educational tools and resources upon which the religious education program relies. There is an enormous amount of resourcefulness and creative problem solving by individuals and by the community as a whole that goes into educating children and youth. Today after worship, we're going to regather in this space for our congregational meeting. The meeting is a community time in which we share information and which we make decisions together. Now, I know that people may not think of a congregational meeting as a creative activity, but truly, it is. I want to encourage you to think about that this morning and to think of the enormous amount of creative energy that goes into it. It's a significant way in which we create who we are together and who we are for the world. And we don't always appreciate that as much as I believe we ought to be appreciating it. The decisions that we make will shape our vision and the work we engage in for the world that we dream about. This is holy work that we do together. The decisions include voting on new board members and approving a budget. And I know a budget is another one of those things that people don't always think of as something that's creative. But a budget, (laughs) a budget is a snapshot of a community's values and commitments. Our budget team gets very creative, (laughs) I assure you. The budget gives expression to our shared commitments to vibrant religious education, to engaged social justice, to fair compensation for staff, and to outreach to those seeking a liberal religious community. And it's built on the generosity of the members and friends of this community and the creative activities of all of us. Another creative decision that we'll make is which organizations will be recipients of special collections for the fall. The organizations on the ballot are suggested by members, by you. And the final selections are voted on by the congregation collectively, by all of us. Not every religious community does this. Not every church takes special collections to benefit community organizations like Make the Road. And not every church 
even if it does that, not every church chooses those groups together. When I talk about the ways that we are creative together, I'm not suggesting that we should pat ourselves on the back and be self-congratulatory about it, but I do encourage us to acknowledge and celebrate the many ways that we create together as a community, the many ways that we do that as we strive to faithfully, lovingly, and courageously also get more creative in our engagement so that we can widen the circle of love and inclusion. Something happens when people gather in a space that was once empty. There is a bonding. There is a relationship. There is a trust that develops. A common vision begins to be forged. Common values take shape. Hope is bolstered. And we need more hope. Our world needs more hope. And to create is to hope. Because when we create, we're developing something that didn't exist before. The original sacred act of creation, Big Bang, evolution, OM, that original sacred act of creation created something out of nothing. What can be more amazing or more beautiful than that? The source of our creative, creative abilities, our creative potential, both individually and together, that source is the divine by whatever name you give that divine source. And when we tap into it, we are entering holy space, walking on holy ground. If those two chefs who were so focused on making their specialty dishes had spent just a little more time, just a little more time learning each other's stories and each other's needs, they might have crossed a threshold into that holy space. They might have discovered a more creative and a more satisfying way to share that single prized orange. They might each have been able to more successfully develop their individual dishes. And maybe, maybe in the end, they would also have been able to create a whole coordinated meal, not just individual dishes. Maybe they would have prepared a feast, not just for dignitaries, but a feast to which everyone would be invited and at which everyone could be nourished. This morning, I invite us to celebrate what we have built together as a church community and to celebrate 
what we are now building together, what we will be building together in our congregational meeting today. And I invite us and encourage us and implore us all to be steadfast in our endeavor to breathe into life the beloved community, one that is a true communion of all God's people. May it be so. Amen.